Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. Hi, Ten. How are you? I am so good. Even though we've now passed the summer solstice, it is June gloom central here. And like I'm in a like nudie, I'm in a crew neck, I'm in like yoga pants. It's like weird, weird weather season. But what's a nudie? A nudie is a no hoodie. I've never heard of that in my whole life. I would just call that a crew neck. So I've, I only heard nudies when I actually, I've always called them crew necks. But when I went to college, like my undergrad, everybody, like all my friends and stuff, they would call them nudies. And I, I too had the same reaction. So where are they from? What do you mean? Like where, where are they? Were they all from Pennsylvania? Like it could be just yeah. like a state thing. I've never heard of a nudie in it's my like, whole ass life. It was like Pensy, New York, Jersey, like the tri-state area, like mainly East Coast. But I was like, what is a I've nutty? I've never heard of a nutty and I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. Never heard. I've always been like, I, I thought you said nude or something. I was like, what is she doing? This is not the podcast episode today. What did she say? I had to just ask. I was like, I've never heard of that. But then I was like, nutty. Okay. We were just talking about her sweatshirt. Is it because it doesn't have a hood? Like I understood it for like a minute. <laughs> Pluto. but to get to that end point you were like hmm, I have answered these riddles three well it's interesting because I think people forget how big the U.S. is and like each state has like its own culture so like it wouldn't be so weird if it was like a Pennsylvanian thing and I just like didn't know about it but man the part of Jersey I'm from I've never heard that that's interesting okay a nudie a nudie Interesting. Well, I, I totally got the weather. I'm wearing a beanie and we're back again on the video component on YouTube. Pluto is also assisting us as the third spooky ghost host. He's been in every podcast episode. <laughs> He's very funny. Um, but I'm wearing my beanie that we sold out in the shop, which I love. This beanie's my favorite, but I'm also wearing like a tank top because I'm also kind of hot, but I'm also cold. I don't know. It's like sleeping with one foot out of the blanket, you know? Like yes. I want to be warm, like a snuggly cinnamon roll, but also your girl's got to breathe because I'm a sweaty baddie. So yeah, right. I might sweat. Um, but how was your summer solstice? I know we spent it together, but for the people, how was it? Did you have a good summer solstice? What was going on? Summer solstice was great. Um, it was just a good day. Spent it with friends, you and Danielle, um, friends and loved ones. So it was really nice. Um, I got to do a lot of like gardening afterwards. So you guys, when I tell you I'm growing pumpkins, my pumpkin plant, is taken off. So I'm excited if, to see this. If any of you guys have any tips for like tomats, for some squash, for some zucchinis or pumpkins, send them my way because I usually have a black thumb and I think that this is the most growth I've ever gotten. So like pour one okay, out for your- I'm not going to say anything because of my superstitions. <laughs> Just keep going. No congratulations um, yet until the pumpkin's fully grown. Yes. Um, but I know I feel like uh, Sticks and Bones needs like its own pumpkin pumpkin mascot in the fall because, you know, we're going to be churning out content. You know, Halloween is like the Christmas for witches and spiritualists and things like that. So I think we need our own pumpkin for the store. I know. Oh, my gosh. If I could just grow like a good pumpkin, I would just simply cry. Like I would cry the world, for you. I would cry. It's but, honestly the cutest thing ever, like growing plants and like then you have produce and it's like, oh, I have like the little, little, little bud links of little green peppers right now. So like oh they be common. Um, they're so cute. But no, it's been good. Um, super excited. Chelsea and I are also going to a baseball game tomorrow. So super excited. I am very excited. I hope the weather is good, but it should be. And yeah, we're doing all the fun things. Like I said, I'm coining this summer hobby girl summer because I think it's time to get back into the hobbies and to explore different things and reignite the passion for life again. Because I know, you know, when you don't do things and you sometimes sit inside, like it's really easy for you to get into your own thoughts and like spiral. So you start to think about everything that's wrong with you and your life and the things that you don't have. So I've been focusing on just trying to reshape my thinking of, you know, instead of focusing on things I don't have or things are not working, how can I channel that into a hobby per se? Yeah. How can I channel that into something else? Um, I mean, I, I, I love sports, go sports. I hope both teams have fun. But when I tell you I was not a baseball girl, Kevin played baseball in college. Like I married a baseball player. 
I did not like baseball prior to the season until they changed the shot clock and like implemented that. And now I'm like, yay, baseball, go, go team. Yeah, I'm still, I know we're going to a baseball game tomorrow, but I like to be there in person. I don't like to watch it on TV. I get bored. Pluto, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Look at him. He is the gargoyle boy. He is a gargoyle boy. He just sits here and st- just stares. Um, but one thing that I've been doing and I love to do is like, I love video games, but I've been trying to get outside more because the weather is really nice. So I just like have been spending time outside, um, whether it's meditating, going on walks, things like that. Just reminding myself to get vitamin D because I'm a vampire mm-hmm. plot twist. I'm a vampire. <laughs> um, just kidding. I feel like I have to say just kidding with these things these days. I'm not actually a vampire. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> People get weird. I'm not Plot twist. Chelsea does sparkle in the sunlight. So I do. I only say that because my skin is so white and like I don't tan. So I can be outside <laughs> for like 17 hours and I will get like literally no color um, and probably roast alive. But no. um, I've also been focusing on reading. And so basically the whole podcast episode today that Ten and I are talking about is the archetypes of women in like folklore and mythology. Um, we also took a really fun archetypes quiz that we're going to, um, yeah. we'll let you know where it's from. Um, we'll probably yeah. post on our Instagram or something. We were doing it last night. It was so funny. Like I felt like <laughs> I was taking a, a test to get into therapy or some shit. <laughs> but one, one book that we both got is this one. It is called The Field Guide to Witches um, by 3D Publishing. And I think it's authored by um, a woman named Stephanie as the editor. This book is dope. It's it's dope. I, it's, it's, I don't even have words for it. Like, it's incredible. Like, I love books that, like, show the creative process. Wait, guess whose pages I immediately opened? Like Hecate, because I, I know was the Hecate. Out of all of the pages in this freaking book, look who I opened up to. I'm going to show the YouTube, the YouTube people. Can you see? Oh my god, I love that image of her. Look at the art. So this book is really good for like a breadth of knowledge. It's really like good for like beginner, mm-hmm. and if you're just like fascinated in like ancient females of like lore mythology folklore anything like that plus you know me I love the creative process as an artist or historian I love seeing other artists from their concepts like their concept sketches and how they're incorporating like research um their knowledge of folklore and mythology and they're implementing it into their drawings so I loved to see that because um the Isis portion of it the artist who did isis it's gorgeous and to see how they are visualizing her different aspects is incredible and it's so different because in my mind when i think of isis my mind just goes to like how she's depicted in like temple carvings or like papyrus like where she has like her tight see-through dress and she has her beautiful uh crown or like her romanized form but like i just love seeing everybody else's like renditions it's gorgeous Yeah. And I think the cool part about it is you definitely can learn something from it because they are taking factual evidence and supporting their drawing based on what they know about the goddess and folklore. Um, And it is an interesting one. I I read the passage on Anne Morrigan because she always gets the most misinformation and oh my God, it was perfect. It, Mm -hmm. it's not going to give you everything, but it's going to talk about bits and pieces of the goddess and different aspects of them. Um, Because as we know, like not all goddesses fit into one box, just like we as humans don't fit into one box and we can be good at multiple things. We can be multifaceted in multiple things. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is why we want to talk about this on the podcast episode today, give a little empowerment and say, you know, you two don't have to fit into a box. And sometimes these boxes are placed upon us. Like people can decide who we are. Um, and I feel like that's really what I get with the archetypes of like, why do women have like this archetypal thing that we need to fit into? And we're going to go into that today. We even Mm -hmm. researched, like there was four, uh, four archetypes of men. And obviously it'd be like warrior and like something crazy. And it's like, what if I just want to simply be me? But we're going to talk about it today. Yes. (laughs) But you said you were playing a new video game. Tell me about it because I am entrenched in a video game, but you know, I have like a to be played list. So I would love to add another. So 
this one is different. And okay. um, I think this is different for the girly pops that don't love like combat video games and just want something that's soothing and cozy and like can take your mind off of something. It's a short mm -hmm. game. I haven't finished it, but I heard it's like not super long. And it's basically like a point and click, like puzzle discovery storytelling game. I love um, those, which I love those sometimes. Like sometimes I want to do like, I want to be in battle and I don't want a farming sim. I want to do something crazy like The Witcher. But this one is like the artwork is so beautiful. It's called Dordogne, um, D-O-R-D-O-G-N-E, I think is, I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I don't know. And <laughs> the whole premise is your, so it's all about death, um, obviously. Um, Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but it's like, you are older and your grandmother, Nora, who lived in another country, I think it's like in... France or Spain. She lives in a beautiful house. She passes away and Aww. the house, like your father doesn't want to go to the house. Your mother doesn't want to go to the house. And apparently some riff happened in the family. And you used to visit there when you were a kid every summer and you you're basically working backwards, like clockwork in your memories to see what transpired between your parents and your grandmother. Cause you never went back again. And mm -hmm. you go to the house because they're going to clean it out. And like, you know, you want to go back and see things and you're basically resifting through memories. And it's so sweet because you'll be like a five-year-old and you'll see like your grandmother and you kayaking. And then like, you'll turn into an adult and be like, what happened? And it's basically going back and forth between the past and the present. And it has the most beautiful artwork. It is great if you are just trying to like ease nerves or anxiety. And mm -hmm. I've been loving it so far. And it was on sale for like $15. Nice. Oh, that sounds delightful. I love point and click games. Like they're so nice. The art, I mean, the artwork is kind of like watercolor, but not like, I can't explain it. It's, it's so inviting and like, you know me, I'll always talk about video games. I was playing Disney dream my Valley, but I needed a break. I needed like a storytelling, something that like stirs up some emotion. So I, you know, it is very like emotional, but like in a good way. So, and I'm on the other side of that coin, like just killing monsters. And I, Help some guy uh, prophecy today. So, you know, I did my duty as a. Well, as a I feel like, you know, I, I'm kind of like both where I like both, but depending on where I am in my life, sometimes I just want a simple like point and click to just like yes. create a beautiful story, look at great artwork, do little, little easy puzzles, nothing that's going to like strain my brain. So I get frustrated and turn the game off. Um, so yeah, one of my favorite um, streamers on Twitch, her name's Iona. Um, she recommends a ton of great cozy games and other games like Zelda. So I love, mm. this was a wreck from her that I absolutely didn't think I'd like, but mm. I love it. I love that. That's my little game segment. Oh, yes. This has been games with Chelsea. Mm -hmm. doo, 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 boo. But should we get into archetypes? I think we just got to dive into archetypes, man. I, I find archetypes so fascinating because they're just like, boxes that society has created and archetypes are found like all of these archetypes are found within a lot of societies throughout history and time so it's interesting like how they develop where they come from but it seems like there's always like kind of the same archetypes for women at least yeah, for sure. And like, you can find this a lot in, um, by looking at goddesses and folklore and Ted and I spent a good portion of, um, <laughs> our time last night, just, you know, people wonder what we talk about. Like, we just like to have open conversations and thoughtful conversations of thinking outside of the box. Um, so I'm not like opposed to talking about things that are out of my scope of belief. Like I believe in multiple things. Um, yeah. you guys know, I, practice Hellenism, but I'm also an Italian folk practitioner. I do other things. Um, I venerate a Celtic goddess. So it's like, I am open to multiple different belief systems. Like I am here to talk about anything. Nothing is off the table for me. I want to hear what people believe as long as it's not harmful. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we want to have these I want to have these shower discussion thoughts. Yeah. So like Ted and I really do have like these super thought provoking conversations. I actually, for Patreon, I forgot to post it. Maybe hopefully by this is up, I've posted it. I recorded a FaceTime between me and 10 <laughs> about what we talk about, because I don't think people actually believe us. I yeah. actually had to record it. I was like, we were talking about the difference between prophecies and like, what's a prophecy versus what's the difference between magic, superstition, and omens like at 9am. <laughs> woke up and was just like Chelsea and I have to figure out the deeper meaning behind this right now like right now 
oh, I just wanted to have like a, a discussion of like, what, what do you think? Oh, that's cool. What do I think? Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And it's like, you know what? I am the first one to admit, I don't know everything. So I'm always no. wanting to hear other um, people's thoughts and like, how are others critically thinking? I mean, even I've learned stuff from my students, like when they turn in final projects or they just have like incredible, like thought provoking, you know, additions to class. It's like, wow, I didn't think about that, but like an incredible point. Yeah. Right. I mean, like you, you're always like learning, you're always learning and changing the way you think about things or the way things are done. So yeah, for sure. But all right, let's get into the female archetype. So we've kind of narrowed it down to a few archetypes from um, a few sources we pulled offline. And here are going to be the categories that we're talking about. And at the end, Ted and I are going to tell you what archetypes we took on that test to see what we got. I wonder, you know what, as you're going through this podcast and we're telling you about the archetypes, yes. um, you know, I want you to figure out which one you'd fit into or which one do you think Ten and I actually fit into? Um, yeah. Ten, do you have the archetypes notes yes. up? Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you go through them while I find that one? Yeah. So I'm just going to list all of them at first, all of them first, and then we'll start at the first one, kind of our thoughts and where we would categorize. Um, so the first one is actually going to be the maiden. Uh, the next is the huntress or at the same time, the wild woman. The next is the mother. Then you have the queen. Then the enchantress or the lover. Um, Chelsea and I categorize those as being in the same kind of sphere. So mm-hmm. we put those together. Um, then you have the crone. And then you have the sorceress, which in our further discussions yesterday, we determined that the enchantress and the sorceress were different very similar, but two different spheres. Yes. And we'll, we'll explain that when we get to it. Like I have the definitions up. So like, don't, don't panic. If you're like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. It's going to make <laughs> sense in a second. Yes. <sighs> and then we had the warrior. Yeah. So then we added, because at the end we were like, well, what about all of the other ones who don't fit, but they also have like a war aspect. And so then we were like, we have to add the warrior in, you know, they're fighting the good fight out there. Um, so I guess we just dive in with the maiden first. Yeah. So the maiden, and I'm pulling from this website, um, where wander Listen, I, <laughs> I don't know like what, where they're pulling this information from. I don't know if there's like a super source on like where archetypes come from. I know it's just a discussion between many belief systems and it's found in a lot of folklore and mythology, but this is the website that Ten and I took the quiz on. And I think it gives a really good, um snapshot of like what each one means besides like the warrior which ten and i added ourselves Mm -hmm. um so for the maiden you know the maiden is characterized as someone who is curious and has a lot of potential for growth so i kind of think of the maiden as like the fool card the tarot card you know what i mean okay i could see that yeah and i think of like um because the challenges are naivety being naive being passive and the energy is innocent and playful. So when I think of the fool card, I think of it as like being naive, but not in a bad way. Like naive is in like, I am so new that I don't know anything. So I'm excited to do everything, you know, like that's how I categorize the maiden. The maiden also has duality though. Right. So because of who we put in the maiden category, there's hundred percent duality. Well, I'm not saying for- yeah, these, oh. these goddesses have duality, of course. I'm not saying they yes. just fit into this one box, but when yes. you think of like the maiden aspect, okay, so let's just get the card, put the cards on the table. The first one we have is Persephone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Persephone gets kidnapped yeah. and brought to the underworld. So it's like that I'm dancing around in the flowers and then she's snatched up, and, like, you know, like that innocence of like the innocence because, yeah. you know, prior to that her name was Kore so mm-hmm. which translated to the girl the maiden um right. that's who she was so I, I she perfectly encapsulates that I also have Athena there mm-hmm. but why are she's she's not too innocent in that sense because she is strategy so but she is of course a maiden goddess Right. Cause we were categorizing the maiden as virginity too, like that innocence, like I said, it falls under that innocence aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that we have categorized here, which Ten and I had a very lengthy discussion about, and I'm curious to know about the listeners. I actually put mother Mary in this category. 
um, because she is known as the Virgin Mary. And once again, the maiden can be categorized as like innocence, um, you know, kind of before going into womanhood, I feel like that's what I feel like it is like this playfulness energy. Um, and I really look at mother Mary as, you know, and having an aspect of the maiden, I know no one talks about it, but I think yeah. of her time before she was, you know, pregnant with Jesus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that innocence. It's that almost like livelihood and who she was prior to being a mother and so much more. But we often only see her as one aspect. But right. I do agree with you that, you know, the aspect of calling upon, you know, the Virgin Mary and seeing her in that capacity, she very much is that because, you know, she was a young mother and she had just so much of a life before this, but we only see a snippet of it. Yeah, she was super young. And I feel like this sets us up really well because we're going to be talking about the forgotten women of the Bible um, sometime soon. So I I can't like we're going to be talking about a lot of these goddesses like on our podcast. So I think having the archetypes for them set up first is kind of cool. Um, and the last goddess we have here, and obviously we're doing a lot of goddesses that we know um and have a lot of knowledge on. I'm not looking into other religious belief systems. There's tons of goddesses, like oh my gosh, tons yeah. of divinities. And you could even flesh this out yourself if you're bored and you want to like figure out, you know, who goes where. Um, or if you disagree <laughs> with us, also to let us know. Um, and the last one for the maiden, we have Hestia because of her virgin aspect. Yeah, I have Hestia and then um the addition, like the very similar aspect of her Roman counterpart, people will say, is Vesta. Um, yeah. and I categorized Vesta in there because of the Vestal Virgins and you know these six women of Rome who were virgins for 30 years doing their priestess duties like they were in charge with the safety and the sanctity of Rome so I would very much consider her that aspect for sure um I was saying to 10 Hestia kind of reminds me of like the mom friend of the group, like she would have all of the pharmaceutical supplies you need, making sure everyone's drinking water, um, like on a night out because she is home and hearth. So like, I feel like I always, I think of her energy of like the, the caretaker almost. Um, but I feel like a lot of women can, or no matter how you identify, I don't want to just make this like female only podcast, even though we are talking about, uh, female archetypes and things like that. Um, I feel like, uh, a lot of us can relate to Hestia, especially if you're like the firstborn of the family. I feel like, you know, we take on a lot of these caretaker roles and I feel like I relate so much to her. Yeah, no, she's incredible. And I mean, we're going to see a lot of these goddesses fit in elsewhere. So for sure. Okay. So the next on the list, I have the Huntress. So yes. the gifts of the Huntress are freedom and independence. I think of someone just running rabidly through the forest and like being wild. Um, challenges. Shrieking into the night. <laughs> Yeah. So the challenges for the hunters are detachment and fear of being vulnerable. So this is just what this one source says. And the energy is strong and courageous. So I think of like a wild woman aspect of like someone who loves being within plants and nature and animals fearless. and fearless. I think of that one uh, movie, Brave. Mm, yes, Merida. I couldn't think of her name. So I have obviously for the hunters, I have Artemis. <laughs> Diana yes Diana um <laughs> and we had a hard time putting other goddesses in this category we have Scotty from the Norse pantheon um but I I don't really know who else fits into like this hunter's category I was saying a ton I we kind of disagreed on this a little bit I feel like Baba Yaga belongs here because she's known as a wild woman but I also get why she does not belong here yeah I see her more as a crone but she's like a crone hunt wild woman you know Right. Like she, where on the scales does she fall? I don't know. And like, this goes back to my original point of it's okay to not fit in one singular box and you fit into multiple or you're good mm -hmm. at multiple things, maybe not good at some things, but you can be multiple things and have different aspects of yourself. And I think this is why we really wanted to do this episode. It's because like, we all can kind of relate to maybe I am the crone sometimes, or I am the wise old woman that sits there and goes, <laughs> And maybe I am the maiden some days where I just want to be free and naive. I also put the nymphs of like Greek mythology into the huntress and or wild woman because they are usually associated with fertile growing things, nature aspects, um, or heavily with like water. So like I'm thinking, of, of course, shout out to Minth, uh, Daphne, 
<laughs> rip mymph and mymph and Daphne rip. R.I.P. Man. Rip. But I see like all nymphs in that way. Also, like the Nereids, who are like the fifty daughters of like the ocean. So like I see more like nature aspects and in the weird like overlap spheres of huntress in the next category which is the mother i have the mistress of animals which is this like oh, wait, hold on hold on we're going to the mother now yes okay sorry our lists are all backed up i have the queen first and then the mother oh i have the mother next and then the queen all right let's start with okay let's start with the queen because i'm going in order so i can like give off the descriptions of what he oh yes 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 TBD on the mistress of animals going off script. (laughs) Just kidding. We don't have the same script. Okay. So (laughs) the next category I have is the queen. So the queen is leadership and personal power. Um, the challenges are jealousy and, um, fear of losing control and the energy is confident and uplifting. So the queen to me is just given like bad bitch energy. Yes. So who do you think of when you think of the queen? I think of quite a few. I think well, um, the, the, what comes first to mind, Queen Persephone, right? So we think of her <laughs> as both the maiden because she is the both queen. the maiden and the queen. So you can be both things. Yes, you can be a lover and innocent and have your rose colored glasses on with your flower crown. And you can also be queen of the underworld at the end of the day. Yes. Now I also put Lilith here and I know, um, A lot of you are like, oh my gosh, are we talking about Lilith? And I'm going to say, yeah, we are going to talk about Lilith because we're going to be talking about Lilith in the biblical sense. But also Mm -hmm. don't forget when Lilith was damned into hell, she became a queen of demons. So she is a queen demoness. So when I think of queen, I think of Lilith for sure. Yeah. I mean, she rules in her own right. Uh, Absolutely. She does. Yeah. And she rules with fear. Like that is who she is. She is definitely the energy of like badass bitch in my, my mind. She gets kicked out of the garden of Eden, gets sent to hell and then becomes a queen of hell. Yeah. So, and in modern day, I feel like Lilith has taken on this huge feminist icon, which is particularly interesting because she's actually part of Judaic, um, religious belief and they don't look at her that way so Lilith is just fascinating in her own right but we are going to be talking about her in the biblical sense and she is going to be entering the forgotten women of the bible episode we're going to be doing because she is a huge part of that too Hmm. and then the uh, next I, one who do you have next I have Hera next and she's yes. queen of freaking gods <laughs> queen of the gods right queen of the gods but you know what's interesting about this archetype is that Hera is always painted as like a very jealous queen especially in greek mythos and that was something that they noted down in the archetype is that they're afraid to lose control over things and i feel like that is very much hera yeah unfortunately you know she is painted as this jealous wife not that her husband made it easy for her let's just put it that way no and they in some cases she's kind of painted as a villain for like doing certain things to certain people Mm -hmm. like hercules um but she is a queen in her own right. Like she rules, um, you know, the heavens, she rules them out Olympus and she is one of the three Queens. Now, while Amphitrite is also a queen, uh, she deserves to be there. Although I do not have much knowledge on her, you know, I don't either. All I just know is that she is, uh, associated with Poseidon in that sense, but I don't have much knowledge on her either. So yeah, we can special shout out. Um, the last one that we have for this, which you're going to see in quite a few. Yeah. And I think this whole episode really was inspired by the Morrigan and Morrigan, um, the Celtic goddess of war, fate and prophecy and her so many different aspects that I can't even begin to tell you how many she has because it's kind of still up in the air on who she actually is. Um, she comes from like three different goddesses. Some people say she's comprised of three sisters. Um, there's so much debate on who that is that she yeah. just shows up as one singular one sometimes I actually just got the chills. Uh, yeah. When you try and pick it apart and like deep dive on like, is it three sisters? Is it three aspects? Is it just one? 
it becomes so fuzzy and you're just like, I, I have no idea where I am anymore. <laughs> well, that's Celtic mythology on its own where it's like, it's so hard to trace any of it. So yeah, we look at her as like a goddess comprised of multiple aspects, but it's like, there are so many different accounts on who she actually is. And she fits quite a few of these categories. So you'll see as we go through, but yeah, so the queen, oh, yeah. um, that is another archetype. And now let's move into the mother. Ah, yes. Okay. Cause you know, if you're a woman, you always have to be a mother. Like that's what I get from this. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. But sometimes I almost want to be those things. Exactly. Bitch, I'm a mother. I'm a cat mother. <laughs> I birth <Okay>. you. <laughs> the, I was, Ten always says that to Vudo, And I was like, yeah, I was there. I saw it. First-hand account. It. I, I watched Ten give birth to her cat. <laughs> she came out at five years old. <laughs> I saw it myself. I didn't even know you then, but I was there. I was there. <laughs> okay. So the mother um yes. is known for being loving and nurturing <laughs> and if you have relationship issues with your mom you might not think that but this is how they're characterizing <laughs> the mother um all mothers are perfect and the challenges is codependency and lack of boundaries which is hysterical to me because i feel like sometimes moms do, do lack boundaries when they're like and what was the first one the codependency i don't agree with that one i do i think some mothers have code some but then I think of all like the single mothers who are out there like being everything so you're thinking about it in a different way and I am thinking yeah. about it in the other way so that's why it's good to have these conversations because I'm like I can see why Ooh, you would say yeah. codependency where it's like you don't want to let go um because you care about your kids so much that it actually hinders them you know oh see I wasn't even thinking about that I thought that they were taking codependency in the aspect of like a partner Oh, no, fuck that. I don't think. I think <laughs> mothers are so incredible. And that's why I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting how we took that yeah. in two different ways. Thought um, but also all makes sense. But their energy is warm and supportive. Um, so who do we have for the mother? Okay. The first thing Ted and I said is Gaia. Like, come on. Okay. <laughs> mother Earth. Gaia. Um, I have Demeter, of course. Um, she's all about, you know, fertility, abundance, and she truly was ready to off the earth for her daughter back. And if that's not freaking mom energy about doing whatever it takes to get your child back to you safe and healthy, I don't know what is. I know. She gets so much slander too. People are like, where's 70 wanted to go? I'm like, she was kidnapped by her uncle. <laughs> I mean, even oh, wait, if hold she on. Should I not say this? Cause it's going to piss people off. Should I, not I mean, say even it? if. Even if she wanted to go, like, it's still a mother at the end of the day. Like, yeah, she's, I, I'm sorry. Like, she was kidnapped by her uncle. So let's just, that's the way it was legal. goes. Was legal, but. <laughs> Listen, there was a loophole, but it doesn't look right. It's a lot of gray area. <laughs> I love King Hades, but he kidnapped his niece and brought her to the underworld for his wife. It's pretty messed up when you think about it. <laughs> anytime we talk about mother all i keep thinking is bitch i'm a mother also i feel like loki needs to be in this category somewhere even though he's like androgynous but i mean hey he had sex with a horse the horse thing um <laughs> i have uh hera next because she is of course a mother to so many um within mythology yes and then we have the one and the only bitch i'm a mother mother mary because she is mother mary mother mary she um, is known as the mother in my Italian folk practice. She is like everything, like La Madonna, like the mother. Um, mm -hmm. And she is for mothers. She's for the people. She's for the children and a big protector of women and children. Oh, yeah. Um, I have Rhea, who is the daughter of Gaia and the mother of the Olympians. So she is all about like sunlight, like rays of sunshine. Um, so she is also mother. Yes. And this one might be controversial, but I have Aphrodite. I, I mean, she is a mother. She's a mother to so many, not only gods, but um, demigods, heroes. I know, and but I feel like when you say Aphrodite, most people don't think of her as a mother. And I feel like I'm going to say this, my own personal gnosis, because a lot of you know I worship Aphrodite. She's very motherly like energy to me, but she also has another side of her too, which we'll talk about. Well, I can't wait to do that episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I also have Isis. Yes. Uh, mother of Horus in some stories. And she is just overall so powerful. So we're going to see her elsewhere as well. I mean, we technically, we went back and forth on this too. We can put Persephone in here because of Dionysus allegedly being her son. In myths, there are some stories that say Samil is not the mother of Dionysus. It is in fact Persephone and that she was seduced by Zeus in a different form. So, man, this, it (laughs) it hurts my brain because I'm like, I just can't even think of that. But I also understand that that is a myth that some people subscribe to. And I get that because it's written down. Um, So yeah, if you might have that of like Persephone and Dionysus thing, and that's fine too. Yes. It's a, it's a very interesting take in a, a myth and it's, it, which makes sense because Dionysus does have a chthonic aspect. Right. Um, I also have Juno um, because she of course is the queen of the gods and mother to so many in the Roman pantheon and many women, when they were giving birth, mm-hmm. um, pagan Romans, they would call upon Juno Lucina. We have, Uh, Juno Regina, who is queen. So we do have her being called into mothers in labor as well. So I absolutely love that aspect. Me too. Um, Okay, let's move into the crone because the crone is who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) Oh, they don't have the crone on this list. Damn. Okay, so I think Ted and I found the crone from another source. I'm surprised. Oh, I guess the crone would be the sage. I think we ended up calling it the sage because there was too many enchantress. I'm like, it's the crone. Um, So the crone is clarity and self-mastery. The challenges are accessing emotions and getting out of your head. And the energy is usually rational and wise. So the crone reminds me of someone that is older, that has been through some shit, has seen some shit and sits down and goes, gather around the campfire, children. And let me tell you my tales. Gather round, everybody. And it's kind of like a wise woman to me. Like, you know how like um in some indigenous practices, like the um the medicine woman is usually like one of the oldest in the tribes, and it's like really about respecting your elders. I really always that's like my take of the crone almost. Yeah, the crone is also, of course, definitely seen as like a healer as well. So you go to them for knowledge information secret knowledge you know if you kind of want to put like magic under there but then of course you know just everything healing my well before we dive into it my dream is to be this old italian folk woman that wears Mm -hmm. all black dresses no one really knows who i am i'm very mysterious but they know they would come to me if they needed something done like and I would get, I would give my knowledge to like the younger children that wanted to learn about healing and witchcraft. And I would just cook pasta and sauce on Sundays. And I would just be like mystical as fuck in like 80. <laughs> I want that. I want that too. <laughs> right. Like I, I would have a garden and I would just like do witchy shit. That's my dream in life. Yes. Is to be like the town's mysterious woman who yes. they don't know how they feel about her, but they go to her for everything. Yeah. And She's got like weird Disney princess qualities because animals are always around her. Yes. Uh, Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. So that is everyone's goal for the summer is to embody crone energy. So I listen, (laughs) if I were someone called me to crone, I would take it as an insult, but now researching more about it, you know, no, I want to be the crone. That's it's not hot girl summer. It's hot. It's creepy crone summer. (laughs) be creepy crones um so the first goddess i have on this list who ticks multiple boxes is Anne morgan because she does actually shapeshift into a crone um Mm -hmm. to get what she wants she is a shapeshifter so that's why she has so many different aspects and she's also known for her knowledge and her prophecy um so i feel like you know she really is the og crone yes um baba yaga as well yes just all the folklore surrounding her and her depictions. I have never seen a depiction of her that is not crone. Yeah. Like she is known woman. as the crone. Yeah. Yes. The healer, but she also is a healer. Yes. And she also eats children. So it's about balance. <laughs> That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a healer, but maybe I'll also eat your kid off the street. Okay. Um, <laughs> What's next on the else? list? Who else do you have? That's Wait, that's all I had for the crone. I really couldn't think of anything else. Oh, I have Callie Each. Did you have her there? No. Maybe Damn. I didn't write her there. That's fine. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to the next one. Um, I think the next one is the Enchantress. The Enchantress. Yes. So the Enchantress is the gifts are passion and intimacy. The challenges, commitment, need for validation, and their energy is usually magnetic and sensual. So they're very like enchanting and alluring and it really reminds me of goddesses um, around love and beauty and all of that. So who do you have? I have number one, Aphrodite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think of an enchantress, which is hysterical because we have a whole like enchantress candle in the store and the whole premise of the candle is for like allure and glamour and beauty and like feeling good about yourself. Absolutely. So she's my number one draft pick for that. Yeah. I have Cersei. Cersei's my number Cersei? one draft pick. So Cersei, the- yes. Not only does she turn men into pigs. Oh yeah. We stand, but um, the enchantress aspect of performing that, but the lover mixed in with that because she does, you know, use her body to get what she wants. Hell, Cersei, it was me. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I, hear, I hear her name, I'm like, I always think of that one line um, from the Tyrells. Like, that's a crone. She's a crone. Elena Tyrell, you think is a crone? Yeah, she's the best crone around. She knows everything. She knows how to play the game. She is an enchantress. She is a crone. Like, she is all of the things. Yeah, yeah. She's a queen. Bitch, I'm a mother. (laughs) And a mother. And a grandmother. (laughs) So you can apply this concept to Game of Thrones, too. By the way, my mom just started watching Game of Thrones. I've been telling her for years to watch it. Never watched it. She knows no spoilers, and she knows nothing. Don't become attached to anybody. We didn't want to tell her. <laughs> don't like anybody. I said, don't. and I'm so sorry for you. The last season is the worst. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but I have to, I have to call her after this because she was at season two, uh, after season one, where they kill Ned Stark. She was like, I can't believe they killed him. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it doesn't happen often in this show. Oh, who could be next? Wow. Mm. Don't love anybody. <laughs> yeah I have no opinions about anybody (laughs) anyway so Cersei is like my queen I freaking love Cersei and she's so empowering to me like she literally turns men into pigs and then she uh seduced Odysseus so you know shout out Cersei Mm -hmm. um I so okay so I we also have Venus of course as part of this um little drop down of Enchantress and Lover but then Chelsea and I got into this crazy topic. Yes. Uh, we are going to take like not goddesses or like witches, you know, because Cersei is technically considered a witch, but incredible women of like mythology. And we put Helen of Troy in this category. Yeah. Because she was claimed to be the most beautiful woman in the world. And of course, it's said that it was the war of a thousand ships that she started this war when she was taken um by the trojans from her husband menelaus so i think that's some enchantress lover energy right there i mean yeah they literally went to war for a beautiful woman and shout out helen of troy i feel like she doesn't get the respect that she deserves well then you get on an interesting topic of it didn't happen right after her marriage to um, the king of Sparta. It happened years after. So there are discussions of, did she actually want to, did she go willingly? I feel like she did. She probably was bored. I, like she was already a mother. Yeah. Bitch, I'm a like, mother. <laughs> I, I would have just seen it as like, you would have taken her earlier. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but I do think she is an enchantress because her beauty was talked about everywhere. Um, Everywhere. But we never get her side of the story. I know. And I really feel like that's, I mean, it's just a product of the time period. Of course, you don't get the woman's side of the story, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, yeah, we put her there. I also, this was another one. This may be controversial. We're controversial girls these days. Um, Mary Magdalene. I I mean, yes she is painted that way 
she is painted that way. I don't really think I know the true story of Mary Magdalene. Like, does anybody? But she was painted as like a prostitute. You know what I mean? Not that there was anything wrong with that. A sex worker. And Mm -hmm. sex workers to me are enchantresses. And you should own that shit. But Jesus, like, took her in with open arms. Yeah. So, like, the math ain't math in there. And it's very, very interesting. It's absolutely interesting. And I can't wait to dive into a little bit more research on Mary Magdalene because when I was raised in catechism and my Catholic high school, mm-hmm. we never talked about her, but I do, she was the one of the women that was there while he was being crucified. You know, why are we not talking about Mary Magdalene? Who was she? I'm not even saying in like a romantic way, but she had some sort of importance, you know? Yeah, she 100% does. Plus, I think it's, you know, it's fascinating to me that, you know, a lot of people want to quote stuff and it's like, okay, well, what about the women in the Bible? Or lest we forget that the day that Jesus was crucified, when the men went home, it was the women who held vigil. So where are their stories? Right, right. We don't have them. Interesting. A little interesting tidbit about the Bible. Listen, I love Catholicism, but I don't love how the Bible is sometimes. I want to know what would Mother Mary do? What would Jesus do? But what would Mary do? And Mary would be cracking some skulls. I tell you that much. Like she is some big time energy. She's a mother. Like mothers are protective over their children. You know? Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the sorceress. So this is why we wanted the enchantress and the sorceress to be two different ones. Um, because yes. I just feel like the enchantress is more like the love and enchanting. The sorceress yeah. to me is more magic and it's more magic, but to me it's darker. Yeah. So in this, uh, they call it the mystic. We call it the sorceress because I liked the sorceress better. Mm-hmm. Um, the gifts, intuition, and deep insight. Um, challenges are disassociation and isolation and energy is calm and balanced. Okay. So that makes sense. I feel like this is for people who, um, are looking for a lot of inner peace that are very focused on like their spiritual work, their meditation, connecting with things outside of their body. So yeah, it is, uh, easy to kind of like lose focus of like being in the physical, um, but they usually are pretty balanced. So we have Freya because Freya is a magic woman. Yeah. She yeah, she did. Yeah, oh, she yeah. did. <laughs> Powerful. We also, now this kind of negates everything Ten and I have said about Hikate. And I think we need to bring up this, this point. Yes. We have Hikate here. Yes. And we had a deep discussion and it's not because of the witchcraft and or like that realm we took it as like a sorceress like she is a night walker she is in the liminal she is the in between she is ruling over the restless dead so in a sense that is kind of magic i don't necessarily call that witchcraft but she has like her own darker domain yes that that is why like i don't know why when i think of like sorceress versus enchantress enchantress is like reds and pinks and sorceress blacks and purples i totally totally agree with you not even just because you said it but because that's how i also see it in my head of like enchantress is more like singing lana del rey and the sorceress is more like that viking scald music and like you're deep in meditation and like getting to the truth of the earth like that's what i think of when i think of a sorceress it's also like with hikate as one i think i also take into consideration like her keys opening doors to death yes i take into account torches i take into account everything Plus into the fact that she does have domain over so many different things. And she did teach people things. So she was a mentor in mythology as well. So that is why I consider her a sorceress. Same, because she doesn't really fit any of these other boxes. And I don't subscribe to the mother maiden and crone theory because like I said, that's Wiccan ideology. So you'll never find me putting Hikate in any of those boxes. If you do, that's that's your own personal choice. Um, It's just not something she is. But um, we also have Cersei here because Cersei was a very powerful, not only an enchantress, but one of the most iconic witches in Greek mythology. Yeah. 
Um, also, you know, in ancient writings, you have like the witch of Erixel, who is like she's a mix of like a sorceress with a crone because she's depicted so grotesque like. Mm-hmm. Um, but these individuals are considered to be like masters of their craft. Mm-hmm. Like it was no lie that everybody knew who Cersei was. Yeah. And the power that she held. Right. No, she's like iconic. And we also have Anne Morrigan in here because she also yes. is a sorceress. Um, she <laughs> does have prophecy, death, um, some claim that she can teach magic and knowledge. Like she's just so multifaceted and she's also a shapeshifter. So she really is a master of her own. I feel like she's like the she checks a lot of these categories. She yeah. does. Did you mention did you mention her? I know we're going back. Did you mention her in the mother? No, but I was thinking about that because one thing about Ed Morgan is that if she is fighting on your side, she protects her people. So I, she really can be a mother because she also is a goddess of fertility and for the sovereignty of Ireland. So it depends on what you consider a mother, right? Like, but yeah. I, I was thinking about that. Like she definitely ticks the box of mother. She also is an enchantress. Yeah. Yeah. She, she shapeshifts into yes. a beautiful young woman to yes. enchant men. To seduce a man. She does. She got it. (laughs) Go off, queen. She's also a queen. She's known as the great queen, right? Like, she is basically all of these boxes. Except the maiden. It's so, like, and when you look at all of these different aspects, there are scholars and there has been scholarship on, like, do all of these kind of goddesses descend from like this overarching theme that you see in every single society? Yeah. You know, do they all kind of come from a, like the same kind of aspect? Because there's so much crossover with every single society that we're looking at. No, there is. Absolutely. Um, And the last one we have is the warrior. So we didn't have, this is not on the site that I'm using from, but the warrior to me is war goddesses people that are courageous that are strong um i'm not sure what their strengths or weaknesses would be um i would say we're looking at the strengths include logic um protection um what was the other one like weaknesses or whatever yeah sometimes like i feel like with war aspects you either are very strategic or you can be a hothead yeah you know what I mean? So, Depending on where you are in that. I would say um, um, like emotions not like being in check. Yeah. And like losing sight of like your end goal. Yeah. Because, okay, I'll just say it. Um, first on the list, we have Athena. And Athena to me is more strategic, you know? Well, she is. She is considered a war goddess, but she is strategy. Yeah. And I was telling Chelsea yesterday that her and her brother Aries are two sides of the same war coin where she is strategy and is often, you know, Zeus's right-hand woman in that aspect, where she will map everything out. She still is wearing all of the war armor and everything, but she is going to logistically think everything out. It is going to be um, think before you act. Meanwhile, her brother Ares is bloodlust, and he is no thoughts, only violence. And there is a stark contrast of, why is the woman in this case strategy and the man is primal bloodlust? Well, that probably speaks to the time period that the mythology was viewed in. Which is awfully fascinating. So, yeah. yes, 100% agree with Athena being there. I mean, she also fought and won to con- to be the patron goddess of Athens. So, um, I also have Hestia, Demeter, and Hera because they had to fight against their father and the rest of the titans in yeah. the great war so that they are also warriors in their own rights many of them two of the three are mothers so i think a lot my of mother mothers also take on that war aspect i would agree um i also i obviously have Anne morgan here too because she is <laughs> yes. a war goddess but when i think of her i think of her as being both strategic and also bloodlust because she also is known as the phantom queen she is a banshee mm-hmm. too in some retellings um and she really is blood driven like she is known for being a very fierce fierce warrior protector not giving a shit um her energy my upg see i always tell you when my upg is coming in is very much that like if she fucks with you she fucks with you and if she doesn't she doesn't like she is just 
pure emotion and rage sometimes, but at the same side of the coin, she also can be very strategic and cunning. Yes. So I, I have her here as the warrior. Oh, absolutely. As she should be. Freya. Yes, we do have Freya. Um, uh, Aphrodite, she does have a war aspect yeah. um, that was worshipped in a few different uh, city-states. And then I also have Ishtar and Inanna, who are both love and war goddesses of Mesopotamia. And it's yes. interesting that love and war also go hand in hand. I feel like it makes sense though, because I feel like to go to war, you need to have passion. And I feel like a love goddess, like a lot of people would go to war for love. You know what I mean? I mean, look at Helen of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. Um, so I feel like maybe that's why they viewed them to be one in the same of like, I don't know, but then it's like, Anne Morgan is not a goddess of love. So it's like, I don't, but she does have an enchantress aspect to her. So I don't know. But then you could consider her like the mother of, in a sense, like Ireland, you know, if Ireland is going to be personified. Um, so if she, that is her child, then she's going to do whatever it takes to save yeah, she's Ireland. She's going to war. She's going to yeah, war. Yeah, as she should. Yeah, it's interesting the duality between uh, the Enchantress and the Warrior in this instance. But um, yeah, these are a few of the the female archetypes um, for goddesses. You can apply it to yourself. Um, we thought it would just be interesting to go through it today because it's like, why do these archetypes exist? Which one do you think you fall under if you want to categorize yourself? And, you know, there's probably like a few. I feel like I fit a few of these things. Yeah. And if you want to deep dive into, you know, is there this kind of universal like aspect that people are drawing from i highly recommend everybody goes and does a deep dive um into looking at the mistress of animals and that ancient motif iconography belief because when i tell you we will do that one day on the podcast oh we but will that kind of i don't want to say like philosophy but like that inherent belief that is just kind of everywhere in the ancient world but chelsea we both took a test. We did. And um, <laughs> I don't know. We're so hard. I don't know how legitimate this test is. All right. I know we come at you with like actual archaeological facts and sources. This was just for fun. Okay. This was just this was for fun. This was for the girls. This was for the girls. But we did take a test. And um, before we tell you what we think we fit in, what do you think Ted and I fit in each? Or where, where do you see yourself if you don't want to answer for us? We have the maiden, the huntress, the queen, yes. the mother the crone, the enchantress, the sorceress, and the warrior. Yes. And I feel like I fit a few of these boxes, um, but the one that came out for me was not surprising at all. So. Yes. Ted, why don't you go first? <laughs> Are we, okay, or do we need to read what it also meant to? I have like the, um, I can pull up the, uh, let me see here. I know what yours is, so let me go to the. Yeah, so I also, have, I also have like my little blurb. So I got that. So I took this test and I came out as the queen. So what were the highs and lows of the queen again, Chelsea? Sorry, Pluto is messing with my gaming computer. And I'm like, if you break this, bitch, I might be a mother, but I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Do you have the blurb? Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to read the good, bad. I thought that comes with the blurb. Hold on a second. Sorry. I need to get my, my no, thing you're up here. Okay. So the blurb of the queen is you are ambitious and you know exactly what you want. Yet you are highly loyal and care deeply about your relationships, your friends and family, and they can always rely on you. Walking the world with confidence, you are a natural leader and leave an impression wherever you go. Okay. So you have a different blurb than I do. It's from the same site, but mm -hmm. um, so your divine inspiration is Hera, the goddess of marriage. Um, the shadow side of the queen. So let's just like, go analyze that on the line. Um, but you said this made sense in a, in a certain way and you it might did. not apply to all things because we don't just fit in one box and that's how we're going to end the episode in a second. But the shadow side, when feeling insecure or threatened, the queen can fall into patterns of jealousy and losing control. I don't consider the jealousy. I, the control, I hate to be like, not out of not in control like I have to have all fingers in all pots hand on the wheel 
I need to know everything. Like, yeah, I get that. And I, I, I relate, like I'm a perfectionist. I need to know all the things I have to be, especially if it's things that I'm working on, I have to know where everything is. Yes. I have to know all outcomes. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, perfectionist. I have to do everything to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah. So your light side, um, her confidence combined with a very loyal heart makes her shine. She is sociable, ambitious, and knows how to take charge. So yeah, I definitely feel like you fit this archetype. Not that it's the only one you fit, but I definitely can see you fitting in this box. Yeah. Um, you get? So I got the mystic. Yeah. Which would be the sorceress, which I was not surprised by at all. Because when I read these, like, yeah, this is me. Um, someone who is calm, introverted, and inward focused. And even though I have like a ex external podcast, I am very much introverted. I'm a I'm a yeah. cancer. I like my home. I like calm and peace. And I just want to be left alone. Like leave me the fuck alone. You know what I mean? That's just how I feel. Let me do what I need to do and get out of my way. Leave me alone. <laughs> so the mystic is a quiet soul who enjoys solitude, which I love. Love solitude. Yes. Leave me and by myself. <laughs> Out of all the seven um, archetypes, she has the most spiritually inclined and calm personality. Above all, she longs to deeply know and be at peace with herself. She is a seeker of harmony, often very introverted and focused on her inner world. As a spiritual seeker, she creates a home within herself. Her calm approach to life can help others find balance and take a deep breath. And my divine inspiration is Hestia, the goddess of the hearth and home. Love that. Hestia and my Cancerian energy just totally go together. Okay, so the shadow side, which read me to filth. <laughs> so the risks here is isolating herself too much from the world and struggling to make meaningful connections. Little hermity. I mean, I don't fucking trust people and I have every right not to. So <laughs> that's why I talk to ghosts. Never, never trust the living as we always say on sticks and bones. I know. But then I remember the ghosts were also the living too. So it's like, do I even trust them at this point? And then you get into this, <laughs> this circle of like, do I trust anybody? and then the light side um she radiates tranquility and peace which gives her an aura of mystery and soulfulness she has high levels of self-awareness so yeah i would say um i do fit this to a certain extent i am very self-aware like if i'm ever going through like issues or having a problem with somebody i'm able to see both sides of the the coin like even past like how i'm feeling i'm able to see both mm -hmm. sides of a situation yeah no, I 100% agree with that. You really are. I try to be self-aware. I mean, like sometimes when you're super angry, it's hard to be self-aware, but it helps me understand things better when I'm able to see things from all different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave you uh, guys this quiz and you could take it and see which one you got. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a little funny. And yeah, we just wanted to talk about different boxes and archetypes because you know, it's okay to not fit into one thing. You don't have to be one thing. You don't have to be proficient in one thing. Um, no. I was even telling 10, like to bring it back to my spiritual practice. I don't even know if I consider myself really a witch as much as I used to. Like there's so many different boxes that I check that I'm not entirely sure what I am. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Like I do a lot of superstition stuff and like maybe magic, but like is it witchcraft and is it considered, you know, pagan or is it just like polytheism? And it's, it's very, very interesting and thought provoking, but you know, this was a really um, interesting uh, episode to do and just kind of see that even within any of these archetypes, the women or whoever they are encapsulating or have in there, they are so powerful and empowered in their own rights. So you know, these are some extremely just all around incredible, powerful folklore, women, witches, all of that. So love that. Oh, yeah. And just a quick note, too. It's always important to empower other people. Um, It's not cool to disempower people just because you don't agree with something or you don't like something that somebody is saying. It doesn't have to be your belief or what you agree in. Um, You know, this is a podcast where we explore all different beliefs. And yeah, Ted and I come from a Hellenistic approach to things, especially with our spirit communication. Like when we're teaching that, you know, we're going to teach you with like steps and strategies and procedures. But that doesn't mean that that fits all practices. And we never said that that so um you know you listen to us because you're interested in our perspective and what we think but it doesn't make um 
you know, disempowering other people. Okay. Uh, that's never okay. And if you're around people that are disempowering other people, then that is like weird. Um, I used to have, um, years ago, I used to be like, I used to have this huge friend group. I've talked about this before. And it's like the minute somebody would leave a room, they would all start talking shit about that one person and like disempowering them. And it's like, Whoa, you know, you're just like in a really weird, like, I feel like I'm having like a transcendental moment of like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. I remember a few times I'd be like, that's really mean. Why did you say that about her? Didn't you just post an Instagram with this girl and say she was your best friend and now she left the room and now you're just tearing her to shreds for what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't either. So you don't have to fit a box. Don't prove anything to anybody. As long as you've proven it to yourself at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. To be completely honest. (laughs) And do you think Anne Morgan, who checks 90% of these boxes, gives a dick about what box she checks? She doesn't. She's probably like, I'm just Anne Morgan, bitch. Yeah, yeah. I I even like, huh. I'm surprised I like I would consider myself too fitting more than one box. Yeah, same, same. But we hope you all enjoyed this episode. This is setting us up to talk about some of the other goddesses um, and just to show like the duality and different aspects of, you know, the female goddess archetype. Um, we hope you all have an amazing day. Tens, I miss anything. It looked like you were going to say something. No, but we're so excited to talk about so many of these goddesses. We talked about all the pantheons. Yeah. So- yeah. We're not just a Hellenic podcast. We talk about all of the things coming at you with the archaeological facts. Um, And we all hope you have an amazing, incredible day. And we'll see you next time on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and 10. Bye. Bye.